Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. Good morning, gentlemen. It's Christmas time, and we are once again reminded that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen Him, the one and only, full of grace and truth. He walked among us. He was the light shining in darkness, and the darkness has not understood it, but the darkness has also not overcome it. What a thing to rejoice over. And that uh, child that was born in Bethlehem was the great I Am, and that's what I want to talk about today, is that concept of being the I Am, and we'll tie it into Christmas at the end. Um, but bear with me here. I have a point, um, but it's going to be, it might be a little bit long time getting to the point today. So, so bear with me <clears throat> as we explore the concept of the great I am today. Um, now in John five, I'm sorry, in John eight, verse 58, Jesus declares, I am, um, he says before Abraham was born, I am. And it's part of a, a larger context and a larger conversation. Um, but we're just going to focus on that verse right now. He says, um, before Abraham was born, I am. And it's not that, not the only time in Scripture where God declares himself to be the great I am or to be I am. Uh, he uses that several times to talk about himself. And the reality is that that is God's name. I am is God's name. And all of the names for God are titles or labels or descriptions. The only name we have for God that doesn't fall into a different category of a title or a description is simply the great I am. He is, I am. When you think about the Prince of Peace, it's because he brings peace, right? It describes what he does. Uh, when we call God the Father, that um, describes you know, what we're talking about, right? When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it, it defines what we're talking about. And when we give him names like Emmanuel, it means God with us, right? Uh, Jesus declares him as the Savior. Um, when we call him Abba, he declares him Father again, right? And so no matter what other name we give him, we're describing one of his attributes and assigning attributes to him and and uh, talking about who he is and what he does, but his name is simply I Am. Um, God is not confined by the limits and frames of the created world because the Creator, again, a name for God, that describes something about him, right? The creator is not bound by the creation. God is outside of what we can understand. And so since he's outside of what we can understand as part of creation and as created beings, he simply tells us that he is, I am. And this is an important concept uh, to remember. Um, I think a lot of times we imagine that God's work of salvation is on a linear timeline, right? Like we studied in our history books where you, you know, if you're studying a war, 
You start at the beginning of the war, and then there's a straight line with moments and dates on it that progresses in the same direction at the same speed. And no matter what event happens on that timeline, time continues to progress at the same speed, at the same momentum. And how, no matter how many dots you put on the line, it's the one constant and steady, right? And, and that's what we're familiar with. We're familiar with this single-dimensional plane um, because that's what we know. That's, that's how God constructed this frame. Um, but God does not live inside of our frame. God lives outside our frame, outside the linear Uh, limits of time. And this is how Jesus can say things like, before time began, I am. And before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus, the man, of course, was born in time. Galatians 4 verse 5 says, but when time had fully come, God sent his son to be born under law to redeem those under law. In order to be our substitute, Jesus had to um, enter our reality. He had to be one of us, and that means he also has to be bound by the same laws that we're bound by. Time is one of those laws. So there was on earth a time before Jesus walked among us as a man, a period while Jesus did walk among us as a man, and now there's a period after Jesus walked among us as a man, right? But there was, there is not a time before the Son, S-O, yeah, S-O-N. There is not a time before the Son. God is triune, but he's also one, um, and the Son is begotten of the Father, but none are created. None of those three are created. God is not created. And so then that means there was not a time where we had a dual God, where it was just the Father and the Spirit, and then later Jesus came. Um, It was always a triune God. Therefore, Jesus can say, before Abraham, I am. Even though Abraham was his earthly great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, right? And probably not enough greats, but you go way back. He was a descendant of Abraham. He's speaking to descendants of Abraham who mark their beginning as a nation from his bloodline, from his son Isaac. But even as his great 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 grandson he's saying, before my grandfather, I am. Now, he could just as easily say, before creation, I am, or before time began, I am. Um, and since he ex- exists outside of the frame, the linear frame of time, um, he can also say things like, before you were conceived, I knew you, right? He doesn't say, I imagined you, or I expected you, or I knew how I would make you. Um, he says, I knew you. So the question is, and this is now where we're starting to get to the point here, the question is that we have to ask, can someone or something be known before it exists? Can someone or something be known before it exists? Remember, he didn't say, I imagined it, or I foresaw you, or I you know, thought about you, or I imagined you, or I created you in my mind. He says, I knew you before you existed. I knew you before you were conceived. So the question again is, can someone or something be known before it exists? And the answer is no. He knew me before I was created, and so there must be more to me than this physical creation, right? If he knew me before I had a body, if he knew me before I was conceived, there must be more to me than this physical creation. Something that's also existing outside of time that can be known before I am born, before I am conceived. And to be outside of time and known by God is to be with God, to walk in his presence, and this, of course, is heaven. So, I must have something that's outside of time. And in order to be outside of time and walking with God, to be known by God before I had a body, I must have something, I must have a soul. And in order to be with God, I, 
there must be heaven. So can I not then conclude that if I was with God outside of time and will again be with God outside of time, that I am now with God outside of time, does not my soul even now rest in heaven with him? Does not my soul even now rest in heaven with him? Of course. And this is how Paul can declare that neither life nor death nor angels or demons nor the present or the future or any powers, whether height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because I already sit beside him and I always have and I always will. And this is not to say that heaven is a place on earth or that I am you know, eternal and uncreated just as God is or something like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that God lives outside of time. And he's not constrained by the limits of time that he created. And neither is my soul in eternity. And so what means what we're really talking about is predestination. Right Right now, I'm on earth and I'm in time. But I have been predestined and I have been called. God has called and chosen you and I to be his own. And to dwell within him and his kingdom forever. Um, And he did this before we were born. And this is not determinism. Um, it's not a claim that we have no free will or choice or something, because we do. Um, but in eternity, he knew us, and he knows us, and he will always, as such, um, he will always know us. And as such, we do not um, shock or surprise him with our sin. Um, there's a difference between seeing it and recognizing it and determining it for us, right? That's determinism. Determinism is the idea that God knows what I'm going to do, therefore he has taken away my free will because he created something and he already knew it was going to. But knowing something is not the same thing as doing it for you, right? Knowing what I'm going to do is not the same thing as taking away free will. He simply sees it. He's observing. He knows, right? And I cannot surprise him with shock or shock him with my sin because he has known, he has always known, he knew even before I was created, even before time began. We often imagine God as a spectator, right? Watching uh, from the sky, keeping score, and disappointed and let down by our failures and excited and cheering for us uh, when we do good in the world, right? Waiting to find out which one of us is going to finish the race or which one of us might score enough points or have enough style to enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. But that's not the way God works. Um, he already knows. He already sees it all. He saw it yesterday. He sees yesterday right now, he sees today right now, and he sees tomorrow right now, and he knows our sin and shame, and he always has, even before he knit us together in our mother's wombs, and he knows that we are black as sin, rotten, and corrupted to the core. He's known, he has known, he always did know, even before we were created, even before time began, but he chooses to see me not this way, as black and corrupted and and, and rotten by sin. He chooses to see Jesus instead substituting his perfection for my sin and he always has and he always will it doesn't matter what i do what matters is what he has done and this is how the father can promise heaven to a godless man who's denied christ his entire life but confesses him with his last breath christ or the father promises heaven we saw that with the thief on the cross Um, but god also can tell a man who serves him all his life but denies him in his last breath You can tell him, you never knew me. The work is already done. I didn't do the work. You didn't do the work. Christ did the work. God doesn't have a naughty or nice list at Christmas time. He never has a a naughty or nice list. He has a book of life and a name that is written in it. And my name is written in it. 
um, because Emmanuel came and walked among us. He lived under the law to redeem us so that we might once again live as sons of God. And may this reality frame your celebration of Christmas this year. Um, it's not, it's the Savior's birth, of course, but it's not just a holiday. It's a celebration of the life that brought us light. And that life was the light of all mankind. Pray that you really, truly appreciate the gift that is our Savior and a gift that is that baby. Because the moment that baby was conceived, he was fulfilling perfection. And without that perfection, we would not have a Savior. He is our perfect substitute. And the battle was won on Christmas because that was the day he began to be my substitute, to live in my place so that Christ might take my place on the cross, so that the Lord might see Christ's perfection instead of my sinfulness. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we sing songs like Joy to the World. That's why we call the faithful to come and see him. And that's why we long for his coming again and sing songs like O come, O come, Emmanuel, and lo, he comes with clouds descending. And that's why we look so forward to the advent of the king, which is still coming. The day where he comes back, the day he returns and takes us to be with him forever by his side in eternity, outside of time. God's blessings. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Gird up. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.